fastest. Boom, 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 boom. Hey, everybody. This is Never Heard of It Podcast. This is a show where we talk about the movies that have slipped through our cracks and yours. I'm Sean Harwell, and I'm joined again today by the baby to my spider, Craig Moorhead. Craig, how are you? I'm good, spider. How are you? Not too bad, baby. Should we do this the whole podcast? Whole podcast. <laughs> From now until Christmas. Uh, it's going to get really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, What's shaking in your neck of the woods this week in October? Man, uh, you know, it's it's gotten colder now. We're uh, we're getting so close to Halloween. And, you know, we're watching these scary movies and stuff. And it's just, man, I, I just, uh, I love it. I miss having a lot of fun. This is, this is my time of year, Sean. This is when I really take a bite out of life. You know what I mean? How about you? Yeah, you really shine. What's your uh, pumpkin spice latte intake look like these days? Uh, it's not, it's not, I'm going to be honest, it's not as much as it could be. Okay. But, uh, but. Something to work on. It is, yeah. I mean, we all have something to work on. How's yours? Uh, I could take it up a notch. I'm not okay. going to lie either. Yeah. So, man, it's, it's a good goal for both of us. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know what? Don't, don't beat yourself up. Yeah. Yeah. I saw they had pumpkin flavored bagels, Brugger's bagels the other day. Don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Uh, the, the pumpkin flavor, I don't honestly know if I really like it that much. Does anyone? I mean, if it's, if it's drowned in like whipped cream, <laughs> then sure. I'm all, I'm all, it's got some cinnamon and sugar and yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh. Let's face it, like like tearing the guts out of a pumpkin is actually almost as gross as tearing the guts out of a live animal. You know what I mean? Yeah, so baby. Something to think about. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, where people can tear the guts out of us uh, if they want to look <laughs> up our podcast online. Our guts are all over the internet. Here's where you'll find them. You're going to find them mostly on uh, neverheardpodcast.com. And there you'll find every episode we've ever done. You'll find write-ups in the long uh, episodes uh, with cool posters. You'll find links to our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter. Um, and then when you, you're done with all of that and you're just like, I, I want to get back to basics. I just want to see the podcast in mm-hmm. action. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll find that at Spotify. You'll find it at Stitcher. Uh, you'll find it uh, in in your iTunes, and uh, you can subscribe. You can leave reviews, and uh, and if you could just take the time, just take a couple seconds to uh, subscribe or review. It just makes your life so much easier. I promise. Yeah. All right. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Let's talk, Craig, mm. about the movie we're teeing up today. And keep this podcast train rolling. Spider Baby. Yeah. Now, I don't remember exactly how we landed on this, except for one of the actors in this film died recently, and I'm mm-hmm. not going to spoil who just yet. Yeah. But uh, I got to say, I this was not on my radar at all. I think maybe it was on yours a little bit, right? Yes. Okay, tell me how and why. Well, thanks to... Fangoria magazine circa 1985 or six, maybe before then. All I remember is I I seem to remember Spider Baby being a popular conversation in the magazine. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And there would be pieces on it. And I I couldn't even figure out what it was. And you got to understand back then it was a little harder to get your hands on that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But. But it was always very intriguing. I mean, obviously, the title is fantastic. 
Spider Baby, and I had no clue what that was about. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be putting all that to rest and, and finally watching this movie because it's it's right there. It's available. It's I mean it's it's already in my house. So oh my gosh. I gotta I gotta I gotta get it. I gotta trap it. Greg, gotta, there's a spider baby in your house. I know. <laughs> oh right. man. Yeah. Well, the surprise, I guess, for me instantly was uh, I don't think this movie has anything to really to do with a spider, but I guess we'll find out. Yes. Uh, but also, like, yeah, IMDb tells us that this is a comedy horror, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. It's from 1967, and the quick logline here is. A caretaker devotes himself to three demented siblings after their father's death. Yeah, I'm on board with that. That sounds fascinating. Uh, you, I believe, are going to tell us about some of the folks who made this thing, Craig. Sean, I'd be delighted to. Mm. The movie Spider Baby was directed by Jack Hill, who uh, is also known for directing such movies as Foxy Brown, uh, Coffee, there's a 1982 movie called Sorceress, for which he is uncredited. Huh. Yeah, directed the whole thing and is uncredited, Jeez. Sean. Wonder what that's about. But yeah. Jack Hill, you know, he did more than just direct this movie, Sean. He also wrote it. Wow. Yeah. And among other movies that he's written, one would be Dementia 13. Uh, that's I'm familiar with that. Yeah, Coppola's movie. Yeah. Now... He is credited as having written Second Unit. And I'm not sure exactly what that means. I've worked... I've been a a Second Unit director, in fact. Uh, I don't think anyone was writing that unit. But uh, who knows? Maybe this is a whole different way of making movies. Yeah. Everyone knows who Coppola's name is. They don't know mine, right? So maybe he was doing it right. Well, I know sometimes second unit like handles action scenes. Sure. Well, no, I, I was I'm, like, well, maybe he wrote like the action scenes, and that's like how they like called it second unit or something. I don't know. It's that weird. that is a very good question. I mean, it seems to me like usually, well, usually second unit stuff like you would get the insert shots and you'd get yeah, you know, establishing shots and and you know you can spend all day making those nice and pretty while everybody's shooting the action stuff. So it seems almost like he would have written dialogue or something if you're really going to go to the trouble of saying he wrote Second Unit. Um, it's, uh, it's I really a, don't know how that movie came together in the first place, so I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's the first time I'm hearing that. Interesting. Crit. Okay. Yeah, cool. Uh, our producers are Gil Lasky, who uh, who produced such movies as The Manhandlers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, I, I and that's love... that's not a porn, right? It's not a porn. Ooh. It probably could be with a few insert shots from the second unit. Hey. Uh, the Night God Screamed. That's Ooh. a great title. Good title. Yeah. Uh, Mark Le- uh, Marvin Levine is another producer, associate producer. This is his only credit. Uh, as well as Paul Munka and Alan Wiseman, also as producers... This was their only credit. They did it, and they were like, "No, thank you." I got some. I got some info on on some of this. I'd like to hear it. You will. Uh, well, don't count your chickens. <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't, I don't know. know. Uh, music is by Ronald Stein. He also did oh, music R.L. for Stein. Cool. Yeah. Goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that is him. Uh, no, um, no. He also composed music for It Conquered the World. Not of this earth, 
a movie called Decapitated. That's Say a that horror again? movie. That's a horror movie set at a campground. Decapitated. Oh, that's right. That's a pretty good play on words there. It is. And yeah. he was also uh, apparently uh, did the music for 2011's Some Guy Who Kills People. <laughs> also who not. Oh, that's just some guy who kills people. Not too shabby in the title department. Yeah. <laughs> our, our DP is Alfred Taylor. He shot the Swingin' Cheetahleaders. Mm-hmm. Never seen. But he also mm-hmm. shot Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Oh, no kidding. Yes. Awesome. So who could be more excited than me about Nobody. Alfred Taylor? Yeah. Editing, also by Jack Hill, but uncredited. Hmm. Yeah, that man's very humble. <laughs> he just he simply would not yeah. take credit for it. No, I refuse. Yeah. yeah. It's my uh, movie. I refuse. Well, here are the people that he cut. You got Lon Chaney Jr., what? Famous for such movies as The Wolfman and High Noon. That's right, High Noon. Mm-hmm. Got Carol Omart. Now, she was in such movies as The House on Haunted Hill and The Third Man, a television series. Oh, okay. Sorry. Like, that last one was not a movie. That's The Third Man television series, which I, I'm assuming has to do with The Third Man, the movie. But that would... seems like a weird thing to make a television show out of. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll look into that. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Quinn K. Redeker uh, appeared in Deer Hunter and Ordinary People. Wow. Uh, Beverly Washburn of Old Yeller and lots of TV, including an episode of Star Trek called The Deadly Years. Ooh. That's Beverly Washburn. We've got Jill Banner. Uh, you have seen her in The President's Analyst and Come On, Let's Live a Little. Good philosophy of life, yeah. I think so. Uh, Mary Mitchell is uh, she? She appeared in a movie. Uh, this is another great title: "Panic in the Year Zero," which I feel yeah. like I've heard that before. I, I, I should have seen yeah. that by now. But uh, she was also in Dementia Thirteen. You, you could have seen her uh, sometimes in Gomer Pyle, USMC. Uh, but then, then after doing all that stuff, she became a script supervisor. And she was a script supervisor on Coppola's Dracula hmm. and The Mask of Zorro, the Antonio Banderas movie. Wow. Thank you. Uh, Carl Schanzer. Carl Schanzer was in a movie called Camouflage, which looks like a ripoff of the Naked Gun movies, but it's starring Leslie Nielsen. I've never heard of that. I feel like he's got several of those movies that they were like, oh, let's just make a Naked Gun right. a different thing, and it'll be easy, and it'll be successful. And I was like, oh, no, no. It is not. Yeah, the poster that I'm looking at for Camouflage, not not good, not good. It's not good, but you want to hear something a little crazy? I do. Who has story credit on Camouflage but Billy Bob Thornton? Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. There you go. That's crazy. That was the beginning of his career. Uh, and then you've got Manton Moreland, uh, who was in a bunch of Charlie Chan movies. And this guy had a really interesting background. I don't know if you touch on this in your thing. No, I don't in, think in so. In your section. I mean, it's not, it's really not, doesn't really pertain a lot, but I, I, I kind of looked into him because he seemed like a kind of a weird character. But apparently early on, and I'm, I'm talking like 20s and 30s. He played a lot of characters that, you know, by 10, 15 years later, and I mean, we're talking about mid-40s, people were already looking at that and saying, 
you know, that's super racist. And we don't mm. find that funny anymore. And, mm. and, the, and the guy's, you know, career just totally tanked. But it seemed like a really uh, odd story. And then, then he's in this, in Spider-Baby. But I left off uh, kind of our, our, our guest of honor uh, to keep him for the end. We're talking about Sid Haig. Yeah. And Sid Haig, obviously you would have seen him in Spider-Baby if you'd already seen it. But he also appeared in such movies as Kill Bill, uh, Rob Zombie's The Devil's Rejects, and a movie called Bone Tomahawk with Kurt Russell, who... Uh, I've not seen that movie, but I've heard good things about it. I know. I still got to see it, too. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but Sean, that's everything I've got on Spider-Baby. So I want to hear what you've got on Spider-Baby. Yeah, and definitely, yeah, sadly, uh, Sid Haig passed away um, last month. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Oddly enough, I was in a restaurant recently with my daughter and they had a TV on and they were playing a show from clearly the 70s uh, that was absolutely terrible looking. Uh, It was about a superhero woman. It was called Electra Woman and Dinah Girl from 1976. And... Yeah, I was just kind of glancing every now and then out of the corner of my eye at this thing because it was like impossible not to look. It was so cheesy. And sure enough, Sid Haig was in there. He played a genie. And it's just like, <laughs> so weird. But And I bet there's just dozens of little moments like that from his filmography. I mean, just like briefly glancing at it. It's like, they, yeah, it's crazy. Like when you look at those character actors and see what all they've done. Yeah. Also, I did take uh, a second to look up. It turns out, yeah, the Third Man TV series was based on the same story as a movie about Harry Lyme. And according to IMDb, they did five seasons in the wow. 60s. Yeah. No right. clue. So, no. Uh, yeah, good for them. Okay, Spider Baby, yes. Uh, it turns out there is an official Spider Baby website, which was convenient for the purpose of uh, looking in, in for info, and mm-hmm. uh, I found quite a bit there. So Jack Hill um, had he had done some work for Roger Corman, actually, like so many of you know the, his peers, I guess, during that time period. Uh, there's just a litany of of guys that that made movies as directors after working for Corman. Uh, I think he worked uh, in the camera department uh, on things like Wasp Woman and The Terror. But a friend of Jack's, who was also a uh, Corman alumnus, was Carl Shanzer, as you mentioned, the Mm man. Uh, Now, yeah, that guy, man, it seems like he had a really interesting life, uh, you know, beyond doing camouflage and everything else that he did uh, on screen. This says that he had been moonlighting as a private detective. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. And he met two people. One of them was Gil Lasky and the other was Paul Monka uh, on one of his private uh, detective assignments. It didn't say anything else about that. I'm really extremely curious <laughs> as yeah. to what the hell was going on there. But they were businessmen at the time who were involved in uh, real estate and they wanted to invest uh, in a horror film. And Shanzer said, you should talk to Jack Hill. He might have a story. And as it turned out, he did. He had an outline for this movie. Mm-hmm. And based on that, they hired him to write and direct it. Uh, and that happened in the summer of 1963. And then they shot uh, in August uh, of 64. Uh, 
there's a house in the movie known as the Smith Estate, which is in Los Angeles and is still, I think, open perhaps to the public today. I, I don't know. I, I was a little unclear on that, but it, it is at least still standing. So if you're in L.A., uh, go find it and take some pictures outside of it and send it to us. It'd be nice. Yes. But definitely, this is a low-budget movie. The budget was around $65,000. They had 12 days to shoot. Uh, Lon Chaney Jr. supposedly got a flat fee of $2,500, Greg. Interesting. The other actors got $100 a day. It was extremely hot when they were shooting this, as can happen in Los Angeles in August. Mm -hmm. And they were on a small soundstage that had no air conditioning. And even if it did, you always got to turn it off for sound. Yeah. Jerks. And it said that, like, Lon Chaney Jr., who was, yeah, he was getting up in years here. And, uh, like, he, like, just, they had to wipe him down after takes because he was sweating so badly. And then he was a cold towel to keep his temperature down and everything. Uh, According to Sid Haig, who did a commentary for this film, I don't know if this is on the commentary, but I assume so. Uh, there's a scene in this movie that we should look for where Chaney, I guess, he talks about a toy. And Sid Haig said that that like, left the crew in tears and that he got like a standing ovation for five minutes. Wow. And I'm sure some of that is just out of reverence to Chaney uh, and everything he had done up to this point. Sure. Uh, Haig said that he was so nervous around Lon Chaney that like, for the first two days of filming, he just kind of avoided him. But uh, he, at one point, was asked to go get Lon Chaney out of his trailer, and like he knocked on the trailer door and said, you know, excuse me, Mr. Chaney, um, you're needed on set. And Lon Chaney said, quote, all right, stop that. I'm not Mr. Chaney. I'm Lon. You're Sid. Let's leave it at that. And like from that moment on, he just was like completely comfortable and genial to him and everything. And that's nice to hear as yeah, opposed to the opposite, which we see so often, I think. Uh, more on Sid Haig. He supposedly had the flu when they were shooting the climax of this movie, which I'm assuming maybe involves a little bit of action. But uh, his temperature was up to 103 degrees. Wow. <laughs> and uh, they had to have a doctor on set. They said there was, he was getting some sort of injection. I don't know what exactly, but um, between uh, like every couple of hours so he could keep working. Yeah. And uh, Quinn Redeker, who you talked about a little bit, and the uh, uh, gentleman in this movie who plays the character Peter, I think, mm-hmm. uh, he said that he would hang out in the trailer of Lon Chaney, and like Chaney would just tell all these stories. But that's interesting, and I'm sure fun. But what I found interesting was that IMDb pointed out that often during these sessions, Chaney would be making his specialty which was apparently homemade mustard, Craig. Wow. While they were talking. So, yeah, Chaney, big homemade mustard fan. <laughs> Is there uh, anything he can't do? You know I, what I mean? I guess not, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love mustard. It's never occurred to me that I should, this is something I should be making on my own that I could improve upon. I know. Mustard, you know, I don't know, different oh, time. But uh, here's another fun one. Apparently, uh, Jack Hill took Carol Omart's uh, to Fredericks of Hollywood, and they shop together for a uh, a sexy outfit that she wears in this movie. Yeah. So look for that. Uh, but unfortunately, Craig, yeah, you mentioned the producers who had this as their only movie credit. Right. 
Well, the housing market crashed in Los Angeles, and you may recall that those two uh, guys that uh, Shanzer met while he was being a detective worked in real estate, and they had to file for bankruptcy. So this movie was not released for almost another three and a half years, and it was in legal limbo after shooting, and then independent producer David Hewitt bought the movie for distribution. And he changed the title to Spider Baby, which is just one of many titles that this movie had. And I got more on that in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the first release date that I found was the day before Christmas, <laughs> 1967, which seems like an odd day to release a movie called Spider Baby. I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. And I think this was just in drive-in theaters. And specifically, IMDb had the city of Corpus Christi, Texas. So I don't know if like it just was that theater or not. But uh, I read on AMC.com that maybe there was a small window here that this movie missed a little bit in that the appetite for horror movies had shifted more to those of color by this time than black and white. And I wonder if that's actually kind of, you know, already sort of happening at the time of the blob and I married a monster from outer space that we talked about as being like these double bills at drive-in theaters. Mm -hmm. Uh, Interestingly, this was supposedly released simultaneously into drive-ins with two different titles. And I've kind of heard of that happening, but it still just seems like sheer insanity to me. I don't know if it was based on the region that they were releasing it or not. But so it played in a double feature with Hell's Chosen Few as Spider Baby. And then with Dr. Terror's House of Horrors, which David Hewitt directed himself, it was known as The Liver Eaters. (laughs) When they shot this movie, Jack Hill had called it Cannibal Orgy or The Maddest Story Ever Told. And that is the entire title, which apparently is still referenced in the theme song. That's in this movie, which Lon Chaney Jr. sang himself. So look for that. That sounds fun. Yeah. Uh, In the UK, it was referred to at one point as Attack of the Liver Eaters. And in Finland, Maniot Makansan's Jajaj. That's perfect. I definitely nailed that, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Which was Great Liver Eaters. So a lot of variations on eating liver there. Got Seems so specific, you know what I mean? Like I know. I mean, if they don't eat a liver in this movie, I'm throwing it out the window, yeah. right, at this point. Now, uh, taglines. These are some good ones here. So shocking, it will sliver your liver. Again. Wow. Again with the liver, yeah. Yeah. Not for people who faint easily. Okay. Do you dare see it? Now, here's one. Come into my parlor said the spider to the dot, dot, dot. Which, I don't, that doesn't make sense to me. It's like, I don't think this movie is about a fly. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, or or even necessarily, is, is it about people, like, sort of setting a trap? I don't know, yeah. Just seem, not, not like, yeah, like devious people, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I, saw, I saw that tagline before, too, and the way it seemed to read on the poster was, Come into my parlor, said the spider to the spider baby. Okay, yeah, you know that, I mean? that makes sense, yeah. When you read it on just on a list that maybe it doesn't uh, add up. Maybe. Okay, yeah. Maybe. Still kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, very. Could not find a box office for this, as you might expect. But 
and maybe this ties back to Fangoria a little bit. I think by the time that we get into the 1990s, this movie was basically considered lost. Like it had just disappeared. Uh, it clearly did not get much of a theatrical release, and I don't think existed on home video uh, in other shape than a badly dubbed VHS copy of a 16 millimeter transfer or print. Mm-hmm. Uh, but around this era, Jack Hill found the original negative and was able to do a new proper transfer. And conveniently, I guess the movie had never been copyrighted, which maybe Ooh. is a result of the initial producers going bankrupt or who knows. Yeah. But because of that, or maybe just because of the time that, that had elapsed, uh, it said that Jack Hill was actually able to market it as his own and, you know, control that a little bit, which is really kind of a cool thing, I think. And uh, he did a director's cut. Uh, again, I know, I know there's uh, at least a DVD that has commentary from Sid Haig mm-hmm. and there's cast and crew reunion in one of those. So, yeah, he's been able to put it back out in the world, which is a really cool thing. And, hey, on Rotten Tomatoes, there's 12 critic reviews and it's at 92 percent so that's pretty cool uh our friend leonard malton gave it two and a half out of four stars saying at its best it's both scary and funny which is uh great i know i'm excited about it. and also like i'm really excited about that for that era that i don't know like i haven't seen a lot of horror comedy from the 60s i guess Grady Hendrix at AMC.com said, quote, Spider-Baby is a transitional film, a big step away from the monster movies that had filled theaters previously and a big step towards the kinky, gore, gory harm films that would come later. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, 1967. Now, we've talked about this movie. Or we talk, we've talked about this year before, but not in tee-up form. So we're going to go through it a little bit. Do you have a guess as to what the number one box office film in America was in 67? It is an iconic film, but there's a lot from that era. So, Um, I'm going to make a stab, a stab in the dark. Okay. The Graduate? Boom. You did it. Boom. Nailed it. Nice. I did read a book about that, by the way, called Pictures at a Revolution. Oh, you told me you about that. should definitely check that book out if you have not read it. It is great. Yes, and that came up, I believe, in our discussion of In the Heat of the Night, which yes. was also made this year, but did not make the top 10. So after The Graduate, you had The Jungle Book. Disney's The Jungle Book. Huge movie that year. Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, Bonnie and Clyde, The Dirty Dozen, Valley of the Dolls, You Only Live Twice, To Sir With Love, Thoroughly Modern Millie, and Camelot. Also that year, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, In Like Flint, Ombre, Don't Look Back, Barefoot in the Park, Point Blake, Wait Until Dark, The Comedians, Cool Hand Luke, Who's That Knocking at My Door, In Cold Blood, and Dr. Doolittle. Yeah, a lot of a lot of variation there. Things were definitely changing uh, that year for sure. Mm-hmm. Although it did not make the top 10, as we know, In the Heat of the Night won Best Picture and Best Actor for Rod Steiger. Mike Nichols picked up Best Director for The Graduate. Catherine Hepburn won Best wow. Actress for Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Nailed it. Wow. Uh, George Kennedy, the fantastic George Kennedy, won Best Supporting Actor for Cool Hand Luke. Estelle Parsons, also fantastic, won Supporting Actress for Bonnie and Clyde. And Closely Watched Trains, which is a title I've heard, 
And I'm curious yeah. about one best foreign language film, I believe, from Czechoslovakia. Czechoslovakia. Czechoslovakia, isn't it? Czech. The place that is not that is now the Czech Republic. Czechoslovakia. Yeah. There you go. When you slow it down and say it in front of a microphone, that's a hard word to say. It turns out. Mm -mm. Yeah. And in front of one million podcast listeners. Ooh, yeah. Uh, and I apologize to the three hundred thousand of those that are from the region. Indeed. Uh, Zero nominations for any awards that I could tell for Spider Baby, sadly, but maybe expectedly. Nonetheless, Craig, miscellaneous trivia for you here. Uh, apparently, they had a, uh, a rap party at, I believe, at Mary, uh, is it Omart? Omart, mm -hmm. at her house. And it so happened that her dog had recently had puppies. Sid Haig took one of those puppies home and named it Uncle Ned after his character in this movie. <laughs> Sid Haig seems like one of those guys who like he's so super weird and scary in the movies and is just like a teddy bear. Yeah, I get the same impression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a little little puppy name, Uncle Ned. Uh, have you ever heard of a writer named Leanne Spider Baby? Come again? You ever heard of a writer named Leanne Spider Baby? I have certainly not. Okay, well, the reason I asked Craig is that she wrote for Fangoria, Fearnet, Video Watchdog. I think she was fairly high profile in the horror journalism world in the uh, 2010 era. Oh, okay. And had access to some pretty big movies to be on set and get big name interviews. But in 2013, publicly admitted to frequent plagiarization of other horror journalists. I, Spider baby. I know. I didn't know anything about this damn story. No, I had no idea. Uh, she had a book that was scheduled to be published called Grindhouse Girls about uh, exactly that. That was canceled by the publisher because of yeah uh, what had happened. And now, perhaps somewhat ironically, Craig, uh, she works as an eighth grade school teacher in Toronto. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah, do as I say, not as I do. Hopefully, one of her mantras if she's teaching any type of uh, language class, hopefully. Indeed. Uh, and that's all I got on Spider Baby. Could not be more excited to watch this movie. Uh, I'm glad you brought it to my attention, uh, specifically as a, as a horror comedy from this era. And it, it sounds crazy. Um, the synopsis that I read is was not revealing about a particular detail that I read elsewhere that I'm going to leave out to until we talk next week. But uh, one Thank that you. has me very excited to see this thing. So, right on. would you like to give us any last words, Spider? Uh, uh, you know what? Just uh, may Sid Haig rest in peace. Thanks for all the entertainment. Well said. We'll talk next time. All right, bye. -bye.